Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to have our children to be dismissed for a time of children's church, and the children can go with Miss Lois. Got a big group this morning, more, more than usual. That's what we want to see. Can somebody tell me something? Where did January go? Doesn't it seem like we just got off of Christmas? And now it's already February? But, so, it, it, it's not going to slow down whether we want it to or not. But that's all right. We're we're here, and it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. And we've been talking about through January uh, about what the mission of the church is, and what what the mission of the church is to be. And as the church, what are we? Who are we? What are we to look like? What are we to to be doing today? We're going to continue that that um. That trend, we're going to continue talking about what we're talking about. Isn't it good that you got steel-toed boots for Christmas? And I hope you brought them today. Um, but I see some people modeling them for me back there. That's good. But, you know, it, I just think it's important as the church that for us to go forward with what God's calling us to do, that, that we understand who He is and we understand who we are in Him. And, and understand how this all works. And so today I want to talk about that subject of looking like the church. Paul has been writing a letter to the church at Philippi. There's been some things going on in the church that he's addressing. And he's uh, trying to help them work through some of these situations. And he's writing to remind them. And we, we talked a little bit about this last week. That they need to have the attitude in themselves. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Who laid aside his deity. To take the form of a man. Come and walk this earth. Lived a sinless life. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him. And gave him a name above every name. Which at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we're caught up. And I want to pick up where Paul picks up. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as, all, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with all, with you all. 
And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Father God, we ask that you bless the reading of your word today. We ask that you bless our time together. We ask, Father, that you speak to us. Show us what you want to show us. Lord, knit our lives together in you, together with each other. Send us out to do what you've called us to do. Use us. Equip us. Prepare us. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for what you're doing in this body and what you will do. And we give you honor. We give you glory. Use this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we as the body of Christ are going to look like the body of Christ, we must first... Follow God's plan. Follow God's plan. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we work out, Paul says, to work out our salvation. The word in the Greek, soteria, means to rescue means rescue, safety, deliverance from danger. You see, at one time when we were dead in our sin, when we were not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we were dead in our sin. We were separated from God by our sin. We needed to be rescued. We needed to come to that place of safety. We needed to be delivered from that life of sin, from the death that comes with our sin. And that's what he provided for us. Hebrews 5, 9 says, Having been made perfect, he, came, he became to all who obey him, the source of eternal life when Jesus had completed what the father sent him to do to pay the price for redemption for all of us who will call upon his name and put our faith and trust in him to come into relationship with him then when we do that we have passed from death into life we now have eternal life we now have hope of a life beyond this one that that we don't have to worry about being separated for God from for eternity but you see, Paul is writing this letter partially to address some of the problems that were going on in the church at Philippi. And so when he says to work out your salvation, he's speaking of deliverance from snares that would hinder the Christian from doing the will of God. He's talking to Christians and, he, and he's saying, you need to work out the things in your church and in your own life that are hindering you, that are stumbling blocks, that are distractions from your walk with the Lord. And, and y'all, they're everywhere. Distractions are everywhere. The, the, the world is, it, it, some of us remember a time that, that if we wanted to use a computer, we had to sharpen it first. Young people, those are called pencils. Sorry, I was, I was telling y'all something too, too deep. But, but, but the fact is, the world is just continues to go crazy and go crazy and get, get faster and, and all kind of stuff is out there. You, you, won't, you don't have to want distractions, they're there. 
But Paul is saying we can't let those keep us from what God is calling us to do. We can't let those keep us off the path. So what are we to be doing? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be imitators of me just as I also am, am of Christ. He gave us the example. We talked about that last week. So Paul, following God's example, following the example of Christ, is encouraging those believers that he was ministering to to follow his example. We as when we came to Christ, we followed examples that were set by the people in our lives that, that poured into us and that ministered the gospel to us. And now that we've come to faith in Christ, we turn around and, and we are showing that same example so others can see that and can follow us as, as we follow Christ, understanding we're not going to do it perfect all the time, but that we're, we're doing the best we can as we're still here in these human bodies, to follow the one who did it, did do it perfectly. But Paul says to work this out with fear and trembling. And there's two words that he uses there, um, also in the Greek. The first one is phobos, where we get our word phobia. It means just what you think it means. It means fear. It means terror. It means reverence, respect, honor. Sometimes we don't put those together. Sometimes we don't put fear and respect, terror and reverence in the same category. But I'll tell you, we all have things we're afraid of. We all have things we fear. And if I see a certain critter whom shall remain nameless but likes to crawl on the ground with no legs. I have enough respect for what he might be able to do to me that I'm going to stay away from him. I'm going to let him do his thing and I'm going to leave, leave him alone. Because any one of them in my yard is one I did not invite. And I have so much respect for that particular creature that I will not speak its name and I won't even look at it in a book just in case just in case but you know we understand the power of God we understand well, when we understand how much bigger he is than us how much more powerful he is than us. And if he wanted to take us out, he could like that. That will cause us to have that healthy fear and respect and reverence. But it also comes with honor because we understand that while he is powerful enough, where that little thing crawling on the ground, if it gets a chance to bite you, it's going to bite you. God loves you enough that he wants a relationship with you. And that should incur our honor. That should incur us to have that reverence. And as we work out the things in our life, as we work out the distractions, that reverence for God needs to always be at the forefront. Our respect and reverent fear of God should be so strong that it supersedes any other issues we may have and causes our walk with God to be at the forefront of our lives. It's basically anything that's going on my relationship with God, my respect for God, my fear for God needs to take first place where 
you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of aggravated about this situation, but how would God want me to handle it? I'm not sure what to do here, so how would God want me to handle it? Things aren't going the way I want them to go, but how would God want me to handle it? And if that is the first thing that comes in our mind, we're going to make better decisions. Sometimes we just got to think before we talk. Am I the only one with that problem? Sometimes if we think about it, we pray about it, then our reaction might be a little bit better and we might be able to move forward the way that we need to. We must also allow God to work in our lives. Look at verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And Hebrews 13.21 the writer says equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We need to understand that anything that happens in our life I didn't do it. Any, any fruit that comes out of my life, it's not because of something I did. It's because I allowed God to work through me. It's God at work in us. Anything we accomplish as a church, we accomplish by the power of God working through us. And we're just being obedient. And not hindering Him from doing that. And that when we understand that, then it takes a little pressure off. Hey, I don't have to have the ability. I just have to have the availability. And be willing to let God use me. And be willing to let God use us knowing he's going to do that. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God. Apart from God we can do nothing. When we all try to do things our own way there's chaos. If we allow God to work in us and through us, then our decisions and responses will line up more with his plans and purposes and help the body to function more smoothly and efficiently. So we have to follow God's plan. Second, we have to focus on what is important. We have to focus on what is important. And part of doing that is that we must focus on the positive. Verse 14, everybody get ready. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now I know you're saying, Pastor, why, why would you even have to tell us that? Nobody ever complains around here. No church has anybody that ever complains about anything. Okay, here I go lying in church again. Truth is, that's just how it is. You have people... You're going to have people occasionally who are going to, to grumble and complain and not, not like something that's going on. If, if you ever go to a place where nobody is complaining at all, you're not in a church, you're in a cemetery. <laughs> it happens. But does it need to happen? And it's been happening because even Moses and Aaron in the wilderness... Why can't we just go back to Egypt? We had it good there. Even though we were enslaved, we had a bed and we had food and we had jobs. Grass is always greener 
on the other side. 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul says, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. 1 Peter 4.9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Y'all, we really don't have to try to find things we don't like. It, it's not hard. We can easily, if we want to just stop right now and everybody make a list, we'd run out of paper. It's real easy to focus on the negative. It's human nature. It's what we do. And every one of us, and whether it's in the church or whether it's anywhere else, if there's plenty to complain about. So, Paul's saying, that's not helping anybody get anywhere. If we're going to get to where God wants us to get to, if we're going to... Um, be the church, look like the church. We need to focus on the positive. Like I said, it's easy to find the negative. Let's look for the good. You know, yeah, I might not like everything that's going on, but we sure do a good job of this. We sure do well in this area. Even though maybe it's not exactly the way that I would do it if I was the one in charge. But God is moving there. God is bringing people to himself. We're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people deal with stuff. We're seeing people get healed. We're seeing God make a move preparing us to reach this community. So maybe the stuff that, that I don't like is not as important as I might make it. You see, Paul, he complained a little bit too. He had a thorn in his flesh. We're not sure what it was. We don't have time to, to debate what we think it was today. But he had a thorn in his flesh. And he asked God three times to take it away. Lord, I don't like this thing. Get rid of it. Take it. What did God say? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And we need to understand that God's will might not be to remove or change the things that we don't like. But to give us the grace and strength that we need to endure them and work through them. Maybe God wants to work through the negative things. Maybe he wants to strengthen us. Maybe he wants to help us to go to a place where those things aren't as big as we once thought they were. I've seen him do that in my life. I've seen him do that in, in your lives. I've seen him do that in the lives of lots of Christians. Where he gives us that strength to go forward. As the body of Christ, we should be able to work out everything, including the things on which we don't agree. We're a family. Families are going to disagree. But at the end of the day, we still love each other and we work it out. And that's what we are to do. And he says in verse 15 that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God through above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. We must reflect his light. And this means that our integrity should show even in the midst of a fallen world. Example for that is Daniel. You look, you look at Daniel, prayed morning, noon, and night, every day. The, the king's servants didn't like that. They wanted to try to trap him. They wanted to get rid of him. 
In Daniel 6, 4, it says, Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Y'all, the church is looking for any flaw they can find. I mean, not the church. The world is looking for any flaw they can find in the church. Anything. Anything they can find. They couldn't find it in Daniel. They couldn't find it. Even when the king said, whoever's praying to anybody else is going to be thrown in the den of lions, Daniel didn't care. He said, my God's bigger than some lions. He can protect me or he can take me up to be with him. Either way, I win. And we need to understand that when we're facing adversity, when we're facing things in this world, we don't have to handle it the wrong way. We have the faith and the confidence that God is going to be with us and we can conduct ourselves the way that we know how and not be worried about what the world is going to try to do. Because he says, you shine like lights in the world. God is light. And as his children, that light should be reflecting from us. Where do you put lights? You put them in dark places. There's a lot of dark places in the world. We're the ones that's called to light it up. Matthew 5 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before men that in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And Ephesians 1, 8 says, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. When the world sees the church, they need to see Jesus. And not a bunch of messed up people who don't know what they're doing or can't get along with each other. Because you're not bringing anybody to Christ if they see us fighting among ourselves. If they see us not even agreeing on, on what we believe and what we're trying to do, they're not going to want any part of it. They need to see Jesus when they see the church. Because we're his body. And so to do that, we must stay true to the word. Look at verse 16. Holding fast the word of life, so in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory, because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Colossians 1.28 says that we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, that we may present every man complete in Christ. And Galatians 2.2, Paul says, It was because of the revelation that I went up and submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or run in vain. We will be able to do all of these things if we remember to walk and live by the word of God. He's given us the plan. He's given us the way that he wants us to live. He's revealed himself to us right here. We have it. It's easily accessible. It's in lots of different languages. It's even oral if you'd rather listen to it than read it. But it's so important that the body of Christ know the word of God. 
we could stand on the word of God. The church is losing the battle because they're forgetting to carry it and use the sword. This is our weapon against the enemy. And we need to be in God's word. We need to walk and live by God's word. And we need to teach others to do the same. That's why we're here. So we are to follow his plan. We are to focus on what is important. And finally, we need to find the joy in everything. We need to find the joy in everything. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. We must find joy even in trouble. Paul says in Colossians 1.24, Now rejoice with my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on my behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And he says in 2 Corinthians 7.4, Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boastings on your behalf. I'm filled with comfort. I'm overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. You see, Paul was willing to give himself for the sake of the churches that he ministered to, for sake of the individuals that he ministered to. Paul, once Paul came to Christ, he was sold out for Christ. And it didn't matter what happened to him. You read the book of Acts, all the stuff Paul went through for his faith. But he didn't care. Because he found joy in sharing the gospel with others. He found joy in ministering to people in the name of Jesus. And even though he had to go through hard times, it was worth it. And y'all, we're going to face hard times. We're going to face troubles as the church. We should be willing to give of ourselves for the sake of the kingdom of God. But even when that brings hard times. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, we will be able to rejoice and praise Him no matter what. You know, we, we say this all the time. Joy and happy are two different words. Not going to be happy about everything. And that's okay. But no matter what's going on in our life, we can find joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that joy is what is going to make us rise above that situation or that trial or that thing that we're facing. You know, I'm struggling in my, in my finances, but I have the joy of the Lord because I know He's going to take care of it because He's never let me down yet. I'm having health issues, but I have the joy of the Lord because I know that He's going to be there with me and He's going to take care of me. And if He wants to heal me in this life, wonderful. If He doesn't, He, he heals me fully and I'm going to be with Him for eternity. I can have joy no matter what I have issues going on whether it's at my job or at my school or in my family or in my neighborhood or wherever but I can rise above that because I have the joy of the Lord that he is going to protect me he is going to be with me he is going to get, tell me what to say and then tell me when not to say anything and I can have joy that even though the stuff going around me is not stuff I want to be going around me it's going to be okay because the joy of the Lord is my strength because darkness may come for the night but the joy comes in the morning morning and I have hope because I have the Lord Jesus Christ in my life y'all won't need your jackets when you leave out of here today but we forget that church we get too bogged down in our problems and our situations and we let that take us off the path but God's bigger than that 
And yes, I'm talking to myself more than I am anybody this morning, but we got to remember that and we have to invite others to rejoice with us. Verse 18, he says, And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. John 16, 22, Jesus says, Therefore, you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice and no one takes your joy away from you. The enemy may try to take our joy and he will. But I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret. Satan can only take your joy if you give it to him. If you let him. He's going to try. We just got to say no devil not today. You're not getting my joy. And if we remember that if we're allowing God's word to come out in our lives, no one can take the joy that we have in Christ away. And our, and our goal is that others will see that joy and be drawn to us. Others will say, well, you know, those folks come out of that building on Sunday morning smiling. What's wrong with them? Nowadays, if you smile, somebody thinks something's wrong with you. Some people seem like they're happier if their face looks like they've been sucking on sour persimmons. What is it about those people? They had to wait 30 extra minutes just to get their menus at the restaurant, but they're still laughing and smiling, having a good time. What's different? I want what they have. If we let the joy of the Lord come out in our lives, it's going to be contagious. People are going to want it. And that's going to open up the door of opportunity for us to share the source of that joy with them. God saved us because He loves us and wants a relationship with us and wants to bring others to Himself and use us to do that. For the church to be as effective as it can be, we must follow his plan, focus on the positive, and find the joy. And this is all possible because of the sacrifice that Jesus made when he went to the cross to secure my salvation and to secure your salvation. And at this time, we're going to shift gears. We're going to go to the table of the Lord. We're going to see ourselves in that upper room around that table. Jesus has washed the feet of the disciples. He shared the Passover meal with them. And he's preparing their hearts for what is about to happen as he is about to go to the cross and, and pay my debt and pay your debt. In order to provide a way to satisfy the wrath of God against our sin. And bring us into a relationship with the Father. And declare us holy and righteous. With His righteousness. And that was through His body being nailed to a cross. And through His blood pouring down that cross. That covers our sins and washes us that we may be whiter than snow. So as we prepare to go to the Lord's table, I ask you just right now to examine your own heart. Ask God to show you if there's anything in you that you need Him to change.
We're told on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup and he gave thanks. Father God, we come right now thanking you. Thanking you for loving us. Thanking you for being willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Paying the sacrifice for our sin. Lord, help us as your body to show the world who you are through the way that we live and the way that we treat each other. And the words that come out of our mouth would be words that would glorify you and build each other up. Father, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your love that sent you to the cross. Amen. So Jesus took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he broke it saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and said, This cup represents the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the Bible says that after receiving the bread and the cup, the disciples sang a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. We're going to sing above all, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And, and if there's something that, that God has moved you today that you need to change or you need to, to, to confess or you need prayer for or, or a decision that he's put on your heart that you need to make, whatever it is God's dealing with you about, don't just sit there. You respond. You respond in obedience as we stand and as we sing.